There is a podcast that lies between the imagination of two simple-minded earthlings. Travel with these two longtime friends, Jimbo and 80s E, as they attempt to explore the fifth dimension. Follow along with them as they take the key and unlock the door to the vast space between shadow and substance. This podcast is one of trivia, of insight, and of sounds and ideas from one of the greatest television shows ever produced. You are embarking on a timeless journey. There is your signpost up ahead. You are entering the tragedy of cinema's Twilight Zone. Uniquely American institution known as the Neighborhood Bar. Reading left to right are Mr. Anthony O'Toole, proprietor, who waters his drinks like geraniums, but who stands four square for peace and quiet and for booths for ladies. This is Mr. Joseph J. Callahan, an unregistered bookie, whose entire life is any sporting event with two sides and a set of odds. His idea of a meeting at the summit is any dialogue between a catcher and a pitcher with more than one man on base. And this animated citizen is every anonymous better who ever dropped rent money in a horse race, a prize fight, or a floating crap game. And who took out his frustrations and his insolvency on any vulnerable fellow barstool companion with an arms and fist reach. And this is Mr. Luther Dingle, a vacuum cleaner salesman whose volume of business is roughly that of a valet at a hobo convention. He's a consummate failure in almost everything, but is a good listener and has a prominent jaw. And these two unseen gentlemen are visitors from outer space. They are about to alter the destiny of Luther Dingle by leaving him a legacy, the kind you can't hardly find no more. In just a moment, a sad-faced perennial punching bag who missed even the caboose of life's gravy train will take a short constitutional into that most unpredictable region that we refer to as the Twilight Zone. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, the Twilight Zone series. I'm your host, Jibbo, and joined in the Southern Layer today with... 80s E, an average man with average strength, middle-aged. <laughs> Definitely average intelligence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, below average intelligence, for sure. Uh, yeah, so in case you can't tell, we are uh, diving into another one of the Twilight Zone episodes uh, at, a, at, a, at a, a shot at comedy. Yeah. Uh, with Mr. Dingle the Strong, which is Season 2, Episode 19, um, starring the great Burgess Meredith. But Eric, before we get started, I do have a question for you. Shoot. And you might not have a, an answer for this, but what is Rod Serling's fascination with Misters in the title? We have Mr. Dingle the Strong. We have Mr. Ditton on Doomsday. We have Mr. Beavis. Um, there's just... <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Why do they continually throw these at us like this? Um, I don't know. And if I, if I do remember, Mr. Beavis was actually going to be a TV series, which right. Burgess Meredith was in the running to play, which mm-hmm. I have a whole, I'm not going to read it, but there's like a whole two page pages in this book over here about that. Um, but why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe he just writes from a singular character who just happens to be male and then he just builds, maybe he builds a story around the title. I don't know. But the, yeah, I never noticed that until you mentioned that. There are a lot of a lot of mister uh misters in the titles of these episodes the mystery of the misters right uh so um i know eric's been chomping at the bits to yeah. record this one because right. he really really likes this episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right mr dingle the strong this uh is the twilight zone season number two episode number 19 
and this one was directed by John Brom, and this one was written by Rod Serling, and the original air date for this episode was March the 3rd, 1961, and you know what time it is. This is our, our ever-beloved segment in the episode we like to call... On this day in history. All right, so on this day in TV and film history, for March the 3rd in 1975, the People's Choice Awards, uh, we have an award for John Wayne and Barbara Streisand. They Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Where's the boo track yeah, for John Wayne? Uh, <laughs> yeah. They uh, they won uh, People's Choice Awards for the film side and then for uh, for motion picture. And then Alan Alda, Telly Savalas, and Mary Tyler Moore, who we love dearly, they won People's Choice Awards for the television side. All right, so we move ahead 10 years to 1985, and we have the show Moonlighting that was in its inception. Uh, with Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis, it premieres on ABC TV in the U.S. in 1985. And then in 2010, for uh, TV and movie history, we have Alice in Wonderland, uh, inspired by Lewis Carroll, and it was directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp and Mia, I'm going to mispronounce this name, Wazakowska. Wazakowska, am I saying that right? Jimbo, have you seen it or you're familiar with that actress? Uh, did you say Mike Wazowski? Is that <laughs> no. you said from Monsters? Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> so Alice in Wonderland in 2010 uh, was released on March the 3rd. Moving along with the production costs, this one was a regular episode and it came in at $51,777.43. And when we adjust that for inflation in today's dollars, we're looking at $518,000. $68.69 with a 908% increase. So half a million bucks to produce this episode. I have dates of rehearsal of July 26th and 27th of 1960. And the dates of filming were July 28th and 29th. Actually, three days. 28th, 29th, and August 1st of 1960. So that is your introductory information, Jimbo. Why don't you give us the cast for this Wonderful comedic episode that we all love. Well, uh, don't get me wrong. This stars one of the greatest actors of that time, with Burgess Meredith playing the main character Luther Dingle. Um, I did find out that he and, and he did get a salary of uh, three thousand five hundred dollars for this episode. Whoa! Yeah, um, you may most remember him from uh, Clash of the Titans in nineteen eighty one, uh, Batman sixty six, where he played the Penguin in I think twenty one episodes, if I remember right. Um, he also, he was in a little movie called Rocky where he played the trainer. Yeah. So, um, I mean, legendary actor, uh, nothing you can say about him. And he's been in, I think it was five or six Twilight Zone episodes too. Sure. I remember, uh, you had, uh, James Westerville playing Anthony O'Toole. Uh, he was on the water, uh, and on the waterfront in 1954. He was in True Grit, uh, Hang 'em High. He was also in the Absent Minded Professor. So. A lot of good uh, movies there from James Westerfield. You had Eddie Ryder playing Joseph J. Callahan. He was in a, a movie called Hot Rod Girl. In uh, Eric's favorite, we had the two Martians. The first one played by Douglas Spencer. Uh, he was in. I can't tell them apart. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the who one had the one had the radio antenna on top of his head. Uh, 
he was in the thing from Another World from 1951. He was also in the Diary of Anne Frank, and he was in a, a western called Shane. Um, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, the second Martian was Michael Fox, not Michael J. Fox, but Michael Fox. Uh, he starred in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and one of uh, Eric's favorite AD movies, Over the Top, where he played oh, Jim yeah. Olsen. Uh, then, not only that, but then you had two nine-year-old boys playing the two Venusians, Venusians? which were from Venus. The other mm-hmm. two were from Mars. So, uh, Donald Losby um, and Gregory Irvin. Um, I didn't really dive too much into their uh, cast or their uh, credits, but uh, they were nine-year-old boys that played it. Uh, Douglas Evans played a man. Uh, Phil Arnold, um, he he was another man. There's just some men, you know, in this episode because uh, there's a bunch of crowds and everything. We yeah. will get to a pretty famous one. I'm just going to finish these few other ones. Uh, Joanne Dixon played a nurse. Uh, Jay Hector played a boy. Uh, James Milhoen played Jason Abernathy. He was in No Time for Sergeants in 1958. Uh, the great Don Rickles. Uh, he's kind of funny in this episode. Uh, but he was the, he played Betor, which I think is funny that his name is Betor when he was the guy that was betting all the time. Uh, you know, uh, he was in Kelly's Heroes in 1970. He had his own comedy show there for a while, but he's probably, for the younger generation, best remember for it as playing Mr. Potato Head in Toy Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had Bob Duggan, who was the photographer that was uncredited. He was in Cruising in 1980. Robert McCord, who was a customer in the, it says the Twilight Zone. So, And then he had the great Rod Serling, uh, obviously reprising his role as the narrator and the self-host and introduction uh, to the episode. So, Eric, that is your uh, low-key cast of Mr. Deagle yeah, the Strong. rather lengthy cast uh, on this uh, episode. So let's uh, talk about the plot. Luther Dingle is a meek and mild-mannered vacuum cleaner salesman. (laughs) He spends some time in a bar, but always seems to be in the middle of others' arguments and always (laughs) seems to get the worst of it. Courtesy of visiting but invisible aliens, he is given a great strength, some 300 times greater than that of a normal human being. Dingle becomes something of a local celebrity, but just how long will his powers last? All right. So, Eric, do, do you did you ever remember door to door salesman coming to your house when you were younger? Like yeah, when for I'm like younger, the Encyclopedia was, Britannicas yeah, yeah. or whatever they were. Yeah, that's a thing about. <laughs> I do remember. Era. I remember a vacuum person. I, I might have been at Sears when we went. And they they throw stuff on the floor and then they like mm-hmm. look what you can do. I don't remember if they ever came to the house. So that's kind of foggy in that what area. Was that? So. What was that? I can't remember the the famous you know vacuum. I mean, there's one. Was it? Uh, I can't think of it now. But they used to have salesmen, and it was a really expensive vacuum. Dyson. Yeah, mate. Think, yeah. Oh my God. Kirby. That was the name oh, of the okay. vacuum. It was like all metal. It was super heavy back in the day. And they they I think they had door to door salesmen that uh, sold you like back then. It was really expensive, and I remember. For some reason, I remember maybe I have a vacuum cleaner salesman coming to the house and my mom having to turn them away like very quickly. Like, no, we cannot afford this $1,000 vacuum cleaner. Our carpets aren't even $1,000. So, uh, yeah, that's a bygone era, sort of the door-to-door salesman. So uh, as we open the the episode, we, or we have an opening in a bar. And this episode is kind of unique because Rod has two separate introductory monologues he kind of gives a brief bio uh in the first narration he kind of sets the scene rod says we have a bookie a bartender and a better and then luther dingle the vacuum salesman 
And the bartender, his name is O'Toole. The bookie is Callahan, and then better played by Don Rickles. And they're having an argument. This <laughs> argument ensues about a bum call in the Pirates versus the Dodgers game. And one person thought it was a foul, and one person thought it was an out. I can't remember who thought what. But uh, the better, who would have been Don Rickles, he lost to the bookie, and the and basically Rickles' character is welching on the bet. He's refusing to pay, and yeah, <laughs> he's he, looking at his facial. Yeah, he's like, he's like, it was a foul ball, and when it hit him, he's like, so you know, if it was a foul ball, it should never been called out, and all that. So, but it was the bet you made. You know what I mean? Right. So, and he's he's welching on the bet. He's not one to play, and they're about to come to, to blows. Uh, you know, the bookie and um, the better. And so they consult Dingle as a sort of a third-party option. They, they ask him if he saw the game and what he thought and what his opinion was. And Dingle, he cannot just keep silent and be sort of like Switzerland or be neutral. He always has to give his opinion, and most of the time he gets punched in the nose for it. Um, so after Dingle disagrees with the, the the better, he gets punched in the nose, and then we get... Narration number two. He gets knocked over the ring. Yeah. Or over another ring. Yeah, over the yeah. bar. <laughs> so then narration number two comes in and uh, kind of it's an interruption of this dialogue that takes place. So I kind of divided the episode into, I think, three or four main parts. I think it's the opening in the bar. And then I talk about, we're going to talk about the feats of strength in the episode. <laughs> yes, sir. And then finally, thirdly, we, we're going to see the Martians, they come back and return, and we'll talk about that particular part of the episode. So this exchange takes place, and then again, like I said, the narration is an interruption of dialogue, and then that's kind of more the more traditional um, you know, opening monologue that Rod has. And uh, we we see Dingle described as a sad-faced perennial punching bag who missed even the caboose on life's gravy train. I think that's how Rod describes him. I thought that was really, really poignant and funny. And I have a question, though. The thing about Dingle, dude, is he's a, he's a, door to, he's a door-to-door salesman, right? Yeah. Why... Did they give him a stutter or whatever? You know, yeah. did, did, and I think I that, think meant, that just adds. That to, just adds to his. Doesn't he say sometime somewhere in the episode like his uh, commissions added up to like thirty two cents or something? I, I think it's like eighty nine cents. Yeah, I sold. I sold not, almost like he's not really good at selling vacuum cleaners, and he's not doing really well for himself. And O'Toole, the bartender, I think you know the scene goes on. The the, the first part of this. Uh, episode a large part of it in the beginning is you know in the bar the the bartender just pleads with him dude why do you keep offering your opinion just keep your opinion to yourself (laughs) so here we see the martians this okay well the martians enter the dialogue's interrupted then rod gives his you know great introductory and these martians he's got a beer and a cigarette these martians look like the uh the two-headed monster from Sesame Street, the uh, you know the the near far or whatever you know. What I mean, that's what it reminds me of. You know the yeah uh, because there's two heads, two arms, and two legs. There's there's you know uh, like almost like could could join twins. Yeah, and they look ridiculous. I ain't gonna lie, they they look pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So we're entered we're introduced to the Martians here, and the Martians they decide that they're gonna have an experiment of sorts. Eric, we could go as Halloween as those guys this year. Oh my! Can you imagine? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they decide to give this sub physical cowardly type 
300 times the strength of the average man. So, <laughs> so they, you know, they do their little Martian deal, and then they got some cool sound effects. The, yeah, they do. And they uh, they give him the, the strength of 300 men. And then uh, Dingo gets into another dis- dispute of sorts, and he gets punched again when he's asked of his opinion of the Brooklyn versus L.A. Dodger pitcher, Clem Labine. And here's a little trivia about Clem Labine. He has the National League record for saves from 1958 to 1962. And he also holds the record for the Dodgers organization for the most games pitched, 425. So Clem wow. Labine. Yeah, um, it's interesting. <laughs> that one that, with the antenna on it, it just kills me and trolls. Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So Clem Labine, there's your little trivia about him. If uh, you're a big baseball fan, he was quite the... I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or not. I, I didn't research that. I guess I should have, but... Um, so, again, Dingle, I already talked about this. He receives his advice from O'Toole, the bartender. Don't talk and keep your mouth shut. Keep your opinions to yourself. And it'll cause you a lot less trouble. And I gotta tell you, I do agree with you. Like Burgess Meredith, he did the best he could with what he was dealt here. Like, I mean, there's to be honest, there's not a whole and there he is getting punched again. Um, I can't say nothing bad about his, his acting in this, and I, and the same with Don Rickles. I think, it's, yeah, I think it's acted really good for what they were dealt. Yeah, I think I wish they would have had more. Well, I guess Rickles had a, a lot of dialogue, but you know, he was most notably famous for his insult comedy and stuff and he's kind of doing that a little bit here in this episode but it'd be cool if he could have just went off on you know a couple people and did his thing i think that would have been funny but again don rickles famous friend of frank sinatra and the rat pack and you know if you know him you know him you know him well i think he just died recently like a couple yeah. within the last couple of years um so let's move on to the second part of this episode we'll hurry along uh let's talk about his feats of strength so in the bar, he has the feats of strength of he first he lifts the vacuum cleaner and he says it's light as a feather. That's his first after the Martians give him his strength, and then he tears the door off the hinges. He tears the bar door off of his hinges, and and the bar owner O'Toole's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, like why are you tearing my door up? He's like, you've never caused me any trouble. Right. And then he's like, I don't know. And he just lifted it up and down. <laughs> so those are the two in the bar, and then we go to on the street. The uh, the punk kid throws the uh, he throws the punk kid's ball through a window and an interior door of a house down the street. Yeah, because the kid's like, my dad told me, what are yeah. you doing? Don't come to my house ever again, or he's <laughs> right. gonna beat you up or whatever. And he throws the ball and hits him in the head. All right, he's like, go out for a pass. And did you see the way he throws it? It's like an underhand granny. I, I know you, you brought that up. It was like the Mr. Beavis yes. when he throws the football. They, both of these guys throw the football in the most awkward manner you could possibly. I mean. It was crazy. So, yeah, the football goes through an open window and through an interior door in a house. Uh, yeah, the guy on the ladder keeps falling, you know what I mean? Because he can't believe what he yeah, just Yeah, the saw. guy painting the house is like the wacky, zany, the old shtick where he's painting a house and he slides down the ladder into the paint can and the bucket <laughs> spills. And, yeah, that's as old as all, all get out. Okay, so that was on the street. And then he tears the handle off the taxi cab. That was one of the feats of strength. He ticks, tips the taxi cab on <laughs> its like, side. They don't make door handles like they used to. It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next place was in the park. He lifts uh, the park bench with the woman sitting on it. He lifts it over his head. 
He tears a rock boulder in half. And then tears it in half again. Yeah. He's like, Mr. Can I get a picture? He's like, what, the rock? (laughs) It's so corny. The best, though, is when he goes to the statue of whoever that statue is, and he lifts it up, and and then you watch, he takes his hat off, and he poses just like the statue. (laughs) He lifts the, that was my next one, he lifts the statue over the head. Yeah, this little punk kid throws a football and hits him in the head, knocks his hat off. (laughs) So dumb. Um... And then in his apartment room, okay, he smashes an alarm clock. <laughs> he tries to wake up and he's yeah. Like, he tears a phone book in half. Okay, that that was another. And he's posing in the window in the yeah. mirror like you know show his, <laughs> his muscles are only this. That's big. my favorite when he when he you know tries to uh, flex his bicep or whatever right before he punches through the wall. But do you know what happens though? He'll flex with this arm and he swings with this arm. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, watch what he's yeah. saying. It's funny. So that's in his apartment. So okay, we go back to the bar again, and the feat of strength on the second trip to the bar, he um, he takes pitches from people who uh, want to sell or put on display his feats of strength. So and when he comes back to the bar, yeah, uh, which that guy was in. Uh, who was the guy that played the he, cameraman? The TV. He guy? was uh, the. Uh, he was in another Twilight Zone uh, with the in, mannequins. Yes, lightness uh, of the out. No, that's not it. Um, yeah. No. Anyway, he was, he was like a, the store, a store clerk. owner, yeah, yeah uh, store clerk, and he's like uh, he's from the media, the local media, and they want to put his display, you know, they they want him to display his feats of strength, and so he's back in the bar, and he punches a hole in the wall of the bar, but O'Toole doesn't care because he's making all this money, he's he's going to cash in, he's got more customers than ever since, since the eighteenth uh, amendment yeah, was the abolished, of the eighteenth of eighteenth amendment, so. He's happy that he doesn't oh, care that. You okay, know. you notice that when the TV camera come in and the microphone, it's not hooked to anything. Right. Yeah, I, I, I read like, that. But nothing's plugged in. No microphones are plugged in. No TV cameras are plugged in. And uh, <laughs> so he punches the hole. He smashes a table in half. Right. And he, he takes his fist and you know smashes. I like how he does. X marks the spot on the yeah. table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he cracks it down. He pulls a bar stool that's anchored to the floor. He pulls it out. Uh, he spins. Don rickles over his head. Uh, well, he smashes. He smashes the his cigar first in the yeah, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll get to that here in a minute in the goof section. But there's a lot of stuff that you can see. Um, one thing we should probably throw in here is there is a lot of smoking in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Because there was. Uh, I forgot the name of the brand, but smoking was actually a sponsor of the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. so they had a lot of uh, smoking in the episode. I can't remember what the name brand was or whatever. See, Eric, here's where I was talking about where he watch what he does okay. when he when he flexes, he flexes and then he's going to punch and he's going to punch with his other hand through mm-hmm. the wall. Uh, we have this on in the background. <laughs> he just <laughs> points to his points, bicep, points like, at it, looks at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all clapping, yeah. But that lady of polka dots, man, it just, it, you know, it's the same polka dots as his bow tie and as his hat, if you've noticed. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's okay, the X on the table. the table. Oh, man. Yeah, this is wacky. So, the, the last feat of strength that he does in the bar is he ch- attempts to lift the building. <laughs> okay, I have a question. If you're going to attempt to lift the building, don't go to the structure that's holding the building in place. He's right. going right for that beam. Right. You, would go, out, you far, would go outside yeah. and try to lift the building. You yeah. know what I mean? This is where he's going to lift the chair or the bar. One stool. finger. Oh, yeah. One finger. 
He doesn't even have to lift it with it. That guy looks like Joe Pesci, one of the guys in the crowd. I couldn't uh, believe how, you know, he was a dead ringer for Joe Pesci uh, in this episode. So after he gets through with all of his feats of strength in the bar, then the Martians return. And we'll get there in a moment, but uh, he—they are very disappointed that his strength was used for petty exhibition, right? <laughs> so everyone leaves once they realize that Dingle has lost his strength. Well, so he loses his strength halfway through his attempt to lift the building. And yeah, we're at one part. We'll get to it in a second on on the, the goofs and trivia part. But uh, so then the Venusians enter after Dingle loses his strength and they have a discussion with the Martians and they decide to give Dingle the intelligence quota ray 500 times more than the average human. <laughs> so he's getting his strength replaced with uh, intelligence. And, you know, he's doing a probability of, well, if this guy's on base, yeah. what's the probability of this guy with two strikes, three balls, and what's he going to hit? I believe he's going to hit a home run. Yeah, he actually predicts he's going to hit a, by the law, he says, by, uh, from the laws of probability and calculus, He's going to predict that a guy on the TV will hit a home run. He is now, uh, Mr. Dingle is now a mental giant. And that's kind of where we, <laughs> I, we leave the episode. I'd kind of like to, A, either see a second episode with this as he's the mental giant just to see what he can do. Right. Can you imagine? <laughs> Here's the part where he's lifting the building. With, <laughs> and then the, oh my God. I will say, out of all the comedy they've tried to do, this is probably my favorite one because it's just so over the top. It's hilarious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um and he does such a good job. Let's let's go to some of the goofs and then we can goof on him as well. The sound of the table is, starts breaking. It, the sound begins before Dingle hits it. And when Dingle lifts the park bench and also when he lifts the statue, um, you can both see wires okay. during the lifting. Eric, look. Can be seen. The table is fixed now. That's the exact same table that yeah. he went to break because the hole's in the wall right there. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a blatantly obvious, yeah. obvious. And you can see the wires. And then Jimbo, you pointed out earlier when he's twirling the better over his head. You you can definitely see that it's a stunt man or someone standing oh, in. Definitely. They zoom in on his face. I know, and like, it's not even close. I don't know if it was just poorly edited on purpose, but the guide wires those are pretty obvious if you're paying attention. Uh, and I talked about that. A close shot of the man lifting Dingle over his head shows a part. Of the lifter's face revealing that the actors, other than Burgess Meredith, um, and then yeah, we can talk about all the wires that can obviously be seen. Well, there is also the street that they're playing football on is uh, also the same one as Monsters do on Maple Street. Yeah, I think that I have that in my uh, regular trivia. Do you got any anything else? That- well, it, it does kind of it does kind of remind you of Monsters on Maple Street a little bit uh, because Monsters on Maple Street deal with fear, and this one deals with greed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Everybody wants a piece of the money. The the bar owner does. Uh, you got people wanting to. Uh, they all want a piece of the money. You, you got the guy that wants TV rights. You got the guy. I can make you a boxing champion within eight months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're all just. Everybody's making money off of it. And I think that's part of what the aliens saw as well that they didn't want to give into that either. So um, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, Rod Serling had previously used the name Mister Dingle for the main character called Mister Denton. In the filmed episode of The Twilight Zone, Mr. Denton on Doomsday. There's another Mr. episode, Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Um, This was Douglas Spencer's final acting role before his death on October 6, 1960. I think he was one of the Martians. I don't remember if he was the right or left Martian. He was the first Martian. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
That doesn't tell me much. Uh, the phone book that Mr. Dingle rips in half is the June 1960 edition of the Los Angeles Telephone Directory. Yeah, for all you kids out there, uh, there was a telephone book which you had to look up. It wasn't in your phone. You had to look up someone's phone number in a phone book or a business, uh, for that matter. So that was the Los Angeles uh, phone book from 1960. Uh, and Jibbo, you already talked about this. The street where Dingle throws the football is the same street from The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street from 1960. Uh, near the end, the bartender said that says that the business had, or excuse me, business had not been this good since the repeal of the 18th Amendment. Ratified in 1919, the 18th Amendment instituted prohibition. It was repealed in 1933, 28 years before the original airing of this episode. And then I have a question mark. Coincidence? Question mark. The airline flight in the previous Twilight Zone episode was Global Airlines Flight 33. And the taxi cab in this episode is from the Globe Taxi Company. And it is car number 33. Hmm. And the church scene in the background where Mr. Dingle is playing football with the boys is the same church prominently featured in Stop Over at a Quiet Town. Uh, the church was located outside the Park Town Square on Lot 2 at MGM. So the church was used in a, uh, another episode, uh, which we'll get to down the line somewhere. Um, the same statue Dingle lifts in the air uh, for everyone's amusement can be found in the same park in No Time Like the Past and the episode Mute. A stop at Willoughby, which I didn't notice that. I have to go back and watch Stop at Willoughby to look for that statue. And uh, I sing the body uh, electric. So it was featured in several episodes, it looks like, of The Twilight Zone. Do you know who the statue is actually of, though? No. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Buck Houghton described the filming of this episode as the misadventures of Dingle, <laughs> perhaps because the episode ran $1,800 over budget due to the number of special effects and wire gags running into longer hours than foreseen. And that's pretty much all I got as far as trivia. Jimbo, you got let something? Me, let me uh, read a little bit out of my trusty companion. Um, <laughs> so a year before, in an article about the Twilight Zone, a reporter had mistakenly referred to the main character of Mr. Denton on Doomsday as Mr. Dingle. Serling must have liked the name, for he created Mr. Dingle the Strong. As with Mr. Beavis, Serling once again threw out all sensitivity for his characters out the window in an effort to achieve out-and-out bofo comedy. Consequently, Mr. Dingle is a little more than a bland punching bag character who virtually anyone can, and everyone can walk over. This isn't to say that Mr. Dingle the Strong is without interest, though. The Martians might not have uh, be a terribly convincing alien, but with its two high-domed heads, one with a turning radar dish and the other with a blinking light pointed uh, ears and central pedestal, it's certainly peculiar enough to grab our attention. And at the end of the episode, there are two equally bizarre Venusians played by a couple of nine-year-olds wearing mustaches, <laughs> eye stalks, and bald caps with cones of foam rubber around them. Uh, then there were the various strong man tricks that Dingo performs, engineered by special effects man Virgil Beck. These include reaching over to turn off his alarm clock and inadvertently squashing it, lifting a woman on a park bench with one hand, and tearing a statue from its base and ripping rocks and a phone book in half. So, I think for all its uh, goofiness, there was some cool stuff in it. Um, if if they're going to do comedy, then I'd rather be over-the-top comedy like this than halfway done. Um for me, I, I'd probably put this about a five and a half, six. Um, and that's mainly just because of the acting of Meredith and uh, Rickles in this episode. Um, it does make you ponder, what would you do if you had that super strength? You know what I mean? What would you do, Eric? What would be the first thing you do? I don't know. I honestly have, I haven't even contemplated that. I guess, you know, take care of some work that I couldn't normally <laughs> 
I would lift a hundred UPS packages over my head. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, then they just add work to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> they like, cut half right, the workforce. Gonna, exactly. Um, I'm I'm disappointed in myself though because I didn't write a poem for you know all the comedic episodes. I like to write a poem, and I totally neglected that because I. I could have wrote a humdinger for this. Particular well, you know, maybe we'll have you, uh, we'll do like a, a end of the year review and you can throw it in okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. That'll give me some time to, to mull over my bars for that. Yeah. One. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I laughed. It's funny. Uh, it's just so over the top. It's hilarious. Um, and I, and I kind of like this. I mean, I wish I could rate it higher, but if we're taking the whole realm of Twilight Zone episodes into consideration from season two or overall, it's not very, uh, not going to be up there. So Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I would have, yeah, it was a, it was a total fail. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities about it. Again, I do give props to Mer- Meredith and Rickles as, you know, did the best with what they were dealt, uh, but yeah, this was yeah, it, it's not highly regarded on a by a lot of different people, and I would echo those sentiment, sentiments. It's just yeah, it was a swing and a miss, and you know, give you know we give Rod a pass on these kinds because they're few and far between. But yeah, I I, I didn't enjoy it very much at all, and I, it was super corny. And he's been he's been yelling at this episode for as long <laughs> as I can remember. No, tw- there's no twist other than. He loses his strength in the middle of and he's getting super strong, uh, super intelligent. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, I would rate it like you said, probably like a probably lower, like a four and a half or a five. But yeah, it's down near the near the bottom. I'd say it's at the very bottom of this season so far. But uh, I don't yeah, know. We're strong, not we're not at the end. Yeah, I think we got nine episodes left. Let 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 the record show that Eric rated the invaders higher than mr dingle just for the record yeah yeah i think i would i would put the invaders definitely above this episode there's yeah so uh stay tuned for next week where we talk about another episode that's kind of different uh, another videotaped episode called static um it is very um thought-provoking episode is it good you'll have to listen and find out what we think uh, but yeah, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's a wrap. And cut. Exit Mr. Luther Dingle, formerly vacuum cleaner salesman, strongest man on earth, and now mental giant. These latter powers will very likely be eliminated before too long. But Mr. Dingle has an appeal to extraterrestrial note takers as well as to frustrated and insolvent bet losers. Offhand, I'd say that he was in for a great deal of extremely odd periods. Simply because there are so many inhabited planets who send down observers, and also because, of course, Mr. Dingle lives his life with one foot in his mouth and the other in the twilight zone.